This morning we have a little bit of family business that we have to take care of first. We are, uh, as a team of leaders and pastors, really trying to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is speaking about getting together and reopening and everything. And um, I've sought a lot of counsel. We have spent a lot of time praying and uh, just discussing things. On Thursday, I was on a phone call with a group of pastors. We, they call us the strategic pastors. And uh, the governor was on the call. And he was kind of talking about what's happening in the state. And, and of course, we all asked him, when is Utah going to go green? Because um, we are all longing to get back together. All the believers want to get back together. And, um, you know, after we had this conversation with him, he, he was very informative and very kind, but it didn't really give us the answers to the questions that we have. And then I realized the only way we're going to get those answers is through the Holy Spirit. So I, I believe what our path is going to be for the next, well, let's just say, well, I, we probably can only say one day, because who knows, tomorrow the whole state could open up. But what we're going to do for the next month, at least, is we are going to do sign-ups um, because we have to limit the number of people that are able to come. It will be, uh, you can sign up with your tribe and your tribe will obviously be sitting together and we're gonna try to honor our, our governor and our leaders and try to do the social distancing thing, try to be sensitive to those who might be at risk with their health. We are going to have to limit this initially to just 50 people and it is a first come, first serve. Um, and so in... In doing that, what we're asking is that you would sign up just for once per month so that other people can have the opportunity to come and to actually worship here um, with the worship team and uh, we can actually see one another's faces because that's the thing I think we've all been missing so much. Um, you can sign up for this on our events page and um, we will still be doing the online streaming. We will still... Uh, I'm really encouraging each and every one of you to find a group that you can fellowship with. Find people that you can get into the word with, people that you can pray with, people that you can can um, open up to. And, you know, this whole thing has just been so crazy and so isolating. And I know that one of the main tools that the evil one wants to use in the lives of true believers is isolation, because isolation plays off of rejection, which again plays off of isolation, which plays off of rejection. And so it's just kind of this vicious cycle. And so I just strongly encourage you, find other solid believers that you can get together with. Go out, go for a walk, go you know, sit in a park somewhere, but get together with other believers. You know, the lies start when we isolate ourselves. That's when the enemy likes to come in and try to define us and lie to us and tell us all kinds of things about us that are not true. So get with other believers. We're hoping that this whole thing is gonna come to a close soon and we'll be able to celebrate because we are gonna celebrate big when we are able to get back together, all together. But... Um, before that happens, I know that the Lord still has a lot of work to do in each and every one of us. So I have a question for you this morning. 
And this is a question I've been asking people around me just within the last week or two. And I want to ask you this. How are you changed because of this pandemic? How have you changed? Because, you know, we can't just stay the same. You either go backwards or you move ahead. And the Lord obviously is calling us and drawing us and desires that we would each move forward and and move closer to him. But I want to ask you to examine this question. How are you different through this pandemic? How have you changed? How has the coronavirus impacted your life? You know, it's, it's been really interesting, the whole series of events, even leading up to this message today. I've had it on my heart to, to speak out of Romans chapter 12 for several weeks. And now, this morning, that just so happened to be our journaling plan. It was the, the Bible reading in our journaling plan. If you haven't been doing that, I just recommend that you do that. It's on the events tab. Go under journaling plan. There's two different plans. You can either do the whole Bible in a year or there's an express plan that's a little bit less laborious um, for those of you who like to just chew on something for a while. But you know, this is Pentecost Sunday in the church. And for those of you who are unchurched, what this means is that this is the day that the Holy Spirit came upon the church. Originally, it was, it's, it's in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and all kinds of crazy things started happening. And the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we are a church, we are a family that believes that that same Holy Spirit that came upon those believers wants to come upon us in the same way. And you know, it's really, it's really interesting that all of this crazy stuff is happening in our state and in our country. You know, last night, 22 cities were having these riots, and my heart is breaking. My heart is breaking, and not that that's the important thing. The important thing is I believe the heart of the Lord is breaking too over the sin and over the pain and over the destruction, but there is hope on the earth. There is hope in the name of Jesus. There is hope in the body of Christ. And that is why I believe that the Holy Spirit put it on my heart to start speaking about spiritual gifts, speaking about our own individual strengths and calling. And so today, I want to just talk with you out of Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 1 and going through. I don't know if I'm going to get done. I probably won't. Probably, I'm going to try to get through verse 8, but I doubt if that's going to happen. But um, we're going give to give it a shot. But I want you to keep in mind the question that I asked you. How have you changed? And this, this whole passage, this passage has more commandments. Romans chapter 12 has more commandments in it than any other passage in the New Testament. More commandments on how to live as a believer in this time and throughout all of the centuries. So Romans chapter 12, starting with verse one, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. What this is talking about 
is giving yourself fully, not just your bodies, but this is talking about your body, your mind, your soul, your strength, your money, your emotions, your time, your attention, all of this. He's urging you because of God's goodness. You know, it, it goes back in Romans chapter 11. It says, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who has, has enough wisdom to give him advice? And who has given so much to the Lord that he needs to pay us back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and it is intended for his glory. All glory be to God forever. Amen. And so here it says, it says, let your body be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that the Lord will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is the way to worship God. The way to worship God is not just to stand up maybe on a Sunday morning, put on some worship music and lift your hands and, and do your grocery list in your brain. That's not worship. Worship means you crawl up onto the altar because this is talking about a sacrifice and sacrifices were bloody. And when, when Paul was writing to this audience, they understood that these sacrifices represented a, a way that people could pay for their own sins. But now that Jesus Christ has gone to the cross, he himself has become the sacrifice, but he is asking that we in the same way would lose our lives, that we would give ourselves up, offering ourselves as living sacrifices. And the problem with living sacrifices, they can crawl right back off that altar. And that's what so many of us do. It's so easy to say, you know what, this is too hard. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Or I don't understand why God allowed this to happen or whatever thing it is that, that causes us to climb off that altar. But I'm encouraging you during this time that the Lord has set you apart. Let him do that deep thing. Let him do whatever it takes so that you can live a life on purpose, that your life will be meaningful and your life will have an impact. Isn't that what we all desire? Don't we want to live lives that are going to matter? I mean, who of us says, you know, I don't really care. I just kind of want to get through, get through the day. It's, I, I don't think deep down, I mean, maybe some of us have gotten to that point where hopelessness has kind of taken over. But I just believe the Lord's calling us to a deeper, deeper intimacy with him and a deeper level of sacrificing ourselves for the sake of his great name because these days are evil. Anybody with me? Anybody see that? These days are evil. Anybody that denies that has not been watching the news. And you know, even this morning, it's like I woke up and the first thing I thought was, oh, I want to hear what happened on the news. And then I went, no. No, I am going to worship the Lord first. I'm going to place the Lord in his proper place in my heart and my mind and recognize his goodness. Recognize he is sovereign. He is glorious. He is over all. So here it says, the only way to truly worship God in a way that pleases him is to give yourself fully. Just like Jesus said, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This includes everything that I mentioned before, your emotions, your attention, your finances, your time, your, your, uh, the way that you treat other people. This is a, these are all sacrifices that are pleasing to the Lord. And it says here, and I want you to hear this. 
I know that so many of you that have been Christians for a while, you're, you're like, ugh, I already have this memorized. I want you to hear this for the first time. This is from the New Living Translation, and it says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. You know, it's so easy when we see these things happening. We see these injustices. We see this evil that's really rampant. It's running rampant. People are going crazy. They're rioting and they're angry. But you know, like Arthur said this morning, those are people that God loves. Jesus died for those people. And therefore, we cannot imitate them, but we need to become the church. We need to become the body of Christ so that we can make a difference in the lives of those people that are hurting. And you graduates, there are some of, some of the graduates here this morning. You guys, God is doing such a great thing in you, even though it feels right now difficult and hard and stressful. God has a call in your lives. He wants you to see the next generation changed for his kingdom's sake, for his glory. You know, it's not that God isn't concerned about our jobs or, or the things that we do, but he is concerned about his kingdom and he's concerned about people. So don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. When we see these things happening, we want to get angry. We want to respond in kind, but that's not what the Lord's called us to. He's called us to be set apart. He's called us to be different. It says, instead of copying the behavior and the customs of this world, which in, implies there's a different way to think, there's a different way to behave. It says, let God transform you into a new person. We should look so different after this whole pandemic because of the mercies of God, because of what God wants to do in us, letting him transform us into new people by changing the way that we, it starts with the way that we think. It starts with what we believe and then how we think, the way that we respond. It says then, if you wanna know what God's will is for your life, this is how you can know. It says that if you offer yourself as a living sacrifice, and don't become worldly, don't become like the people of this world, it says then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. For any of you listening, if you have not surrendered to Jesus Christ, if you have not given your whole life to him, I can promise you that, that you might go through seasons of your life where you feel like like life is not so bad, but if you want to truly live a life of purpose, you have to live according to what he has created you to do and to be. And the only way you can do that is through receiving Jesus Christ, receiving the forgiveness that Jesus offered on the cross for your sins so you can be set free, so you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, this whole situation... Um, with George Floyd, it all, it, it, it all brings up so much emotion for people. And I talk about this with great 
fear and trepidation because I want to be so sensitive. I want to say only the things that God would have me say. I don't want this to be anything apart from what the Holy Spirit would be speaking. But I want to read you this passage. This is out of Galatians chapter 5. And it says here, it says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What we are seeing with these riots is the acts of the sinful nature, the division, the cliques, the, the, the segregation of different people types. This is acts of the sinful nature. And as the church, we should look different. We should be all inclusive. We should, we should love one another. Like Arthur was saying, to see people through the eyes of God, not seeing, not seeing people through our own prejudices, not seeing people as different or less than us or, or somehow wrong. What we need to do is see them through the eyes of the Lord and to allow the Holy Spirit to pour his love into our hearts. That is the only way we're going to see people the way God sees them. Amen. And I, I, I was thinking about it this week. Sin does not discriminate based on race, but race discriminates based on sin. I'm going to say that again. Sin does not discriminate based on race, but race discriminates based on sin. Race is what causes people to, to sin against one another when they, when they see people as so different, when they don't see people in their humanity the way Jesus sees them. You know, I remember years ago, my husband Eric, he grew up in a really rough neighborhood in California, I don't know if you've ever heard of Inglewood, but um, it's, a, it's a rough area. And he grew up there. It's by Compton. Many of you have heard of Compton. Um, and there was a, a lot of racial tension when he grew up. He had a lot of situations that took place in his life that were really, really rough, really harsh. He was um, abused and beaten up by people of different races. He was a, a Dutch Indonesian kid growing up in, in this racially charged community. And he realized after he became a believer, after he gave his heart to, to Christ, he realized that he had so much racial hatred. And the Holy Spirit was showing him and was revealing that to him. Maybe the same way that the Lord is revealing some of that to you in the midst of all this. Because if you allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit, there will be no room for the dissension and the outbursts of anger and the, the rage. So Eric, um, he was talking with a friend of his. It was, a, it was another pastor who was black and they were good friends. And 
Eric came to this guy and he said, hey, I need to confess to you that I have had so much rage and anger and hatred against blacks. And he confessed this to this black friend of his. And this guy was so wise and so Christ-like. And he said, Eric, he goes, I totally understand. And I am so, so sorry for how people have treated you. I'm so sorry for the people that have, have abused you and beaten you up and left you for dead. I am so sorry. And it was a sweet, sweet moment that Eric was able to reconcile with this guy. And they sat and they wept together and they held each other and they both confessed, you know, their own racial tensions. And, you know, that's what we need to be able to do with people, not pretend like this isn't happening. You know, it's like I, I've been reaching out to my friends of color and just saying, what, what's happening here? Talk to me about this. You know, I, I remember this, this wise pastor said to Eric, this black man said to Eric, he goes, Eric, I am so sorry. And on behalf of those people, I want to ask you for forgiveness. He goes, but I also want to tell you, I was never one of those people. I never treated anyone like that. And that was such a poignant moment and such a profound moment in Eric's life and really such a moment of complete freedom and healing from racism and from any feelings of discrimination. And it was, it was an opportunity for Eric to really begin to see people the way Jesus sees them. And I know that with all of this racial tension and class and denominationalism and all of this, it's all the acts of the sinful nature, like Galatians 5. It does not honor the Lord. A.W. Tozer said, a scared world needs a fearless church. Church, can we become the people that talk about these things with those who might be different than us? Can we have these conversations? Can we start to recognize in our own hearts maybe some of the racial prejudices that we have? You know, we talked about this a couple weeks back and, you know, maybe, maybe we're going to, I know we're going to have another conversation about this soon because I feel like this is what's on the heart of the Lord. You know, I've heard it said that the church is the most segregated place every Sunday morning. My desire is that the adventure church would look like heaven's going to look. That we would have every race, every nation, every ethnicity, every class represented here. That it wouldn't just be about a certain type of person, but that we would be all-inclusive. And a scared, a scared world needs a fearless church. Can we become that fearless church? Can we be willing to lay down our lives, to get up on that altar, to let God remove whatever it is that's keeping us from really loving people the way Jesus loves people? It says in Romans 12, verse 3, it says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think of yourself as better than you are. If you said, when I started talking about this, I'm, I'm not racist, you may need to just take a step back and say, I have a sinful nature that still plagues me. It talks about that in Romans 6 and 7. 
And then in eight, it tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there is still that nagging sinful nature, that body of death that we still drag around that causes us to have divisions and dissension and factions. And these things do not honor God. So I just urge you, allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to you of any kind of racism that you may have in your own heart. And don't think you're better than you really are. Like it says here, it says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. That's talking about the church. The body of Christ is called, is the church. The church is called the body of Christ, I should say. We are parts of one body and we all belong to one another. Asians, Hispanics, blacks, whites, Middle Easterners, we all belong to Jesus. And we have to start seeing people as people and not as color or even different cultures. Can we accept one another? I love what uh, Dr. Tony Evans, he's my man. I love this guy. He is so solid. I love him. He says, until we become kingdom-minded, kingdom-minded and not denominationally class or racially minded, we will not be Christ-minded. Until we are Christ-minded, we cannot be socially minded to address the divisions between us. This is talking about taking on the mind of Christ, offering yourselves as living sacrifices, letting God set you free from the acts of the sinful nature, letting him fill you with his Holy Spirit. Um, I, love, I love the man, Ravi Zacharias, and this, this week, they celebrated his life in a powerful, powerful service. Ravi was one of the strongest leaders in the body of Christ. And he did so many things to try to tear down racial tension and class tension and, and the, the dividing walls between the non-believer and the believer. And he really urged the church to become the church, to become the body of Christ on the earth. And I love what Louis Giglio said of him. He said, even though there was a massive calling on Ravi's life, he always saw people. I believe this is a season of our lives where the Lord is calling us to see people. Not to see what's on the outside or to see how they dress or the music they listen to or the food they eat or whatever it is, but to see into their hearts. This is what Jesus is calling his body to do. And I pray every day for the Adventure Church that we would be a place that would see people through the eyes of God, that we would not have discrimination and different classes and different cliques. And if you're, I understand, if you're an introvert and you're more comfortable with people that you know, I understand that, but make sure you're seeing people. Make sure you're seeing people. Um, Going on in this quote, Louis said of, of Ravi, he always saw people and he said, and he made you feel when you were around him like you were just hanging around with a normal guy. 
He had this way of bringing people together. That is, church, what we are called to do, is to bring people together at the foot of the cross, to introduce people to Jesus. And through the trial of this pandemic, God is calling us to that deeper level of being able to see people, to give ourselves over to the Lord so that he can use us. And that's my prayer for each and every one of us. It says in verse six, it says, in God's grace, he has given us all different gifts. This is what we've been talking about. Different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, which we talked about, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. We're gonna really go into this particular gift later because this is the thing that drives Everything is people that serve behind the scenes. It's the servants in the kitchen that saw the first miracle. The servants in the kitchen were the ones who saw Jesus turn the water into wine. And this is, these are the people that deserve special honor. We're gonna talk about this quite a bit later, but it says if you're, um, if you're a teacher, which Kelly talked about, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others or to exhort others, be encouraging. If it's giving Give generously. You know, there's a saying that says you can't outgive God. And I can attest to that fact. It is not possible to outgive God. You can't give so much away that God can't ever replace it. God is a God of generosity. And he has called each and every one of us as believers to do many of these things. He's called us to all be givers, all to serve, and all to be encouragers. But if you have the gift of giving, God is going to blow you away. As you give away your resources, God is going to blow you away. It says, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness or mercy, do it gladly. You know, all of these gifts are so crucial in the body of Christ. You know, giving, obviously, you can, you can show someone the faithfulness of God. When God puts it on your heart and says, I want you to give you know, $500 to these people. Or, you know, God wants you to give it in secret or whatever God wants you to do. Do it generously. Do it in faith that God is the one that's laying it on your heart because he wants to bless other people. And it says that if, you, if you're a leader, do it with responsibility. Some of you know that you're leaders and you're afraid to lead. And I'm just telling you right now, Begin to see people. Begin to take people under your wings. Some of you, just even as parents, begin to lead your children in the ways of the Lord so that they see you operating in the things of the Lord and serve and show mercy. You know, we're all called to show mercy. I was telling somebody yesterday, you know, with all of these riots breaking down, even in, or breaking out in uh, downtown Salt Lake, you know, mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, God has given us mercy. He has shown us mercy. He has, has poured out his mercy upon us. And in that, we can demonstrate mercy to other people. So I just urge you, church, offer yourselves to God completely and fully so that we can become everything he's called us to, to be and to do, and that we can live lives that have actual purpose, not lives of futility and lives of brokenness and just emptiness, but lives that are lived on purpose. This is what God's called us to. So how 
Is God changing you in the midst of this? Are you becoming more like Jesus? This is what he's calling us to because his church, his body is the hope on the earth today. So I'd like to just uh, close up with a prayer. Um, If the Holy Spirit's working in your heart and convicting you of some things, now is a great time for you to just confess it um, to a trusted friend or to someone maybe that you're sitting on the couch with or um, that you want to take out for, for a walk this week or something. But get it out. Get it out in the light. Jesus is about light and about truth. So, Jesus, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. We are so grateful, God, that you are a God of hope. Lord, we're so thankful, Lord, that you have called each and every one of us to live lives of purpose, on purpose. You have given us gifts and callings. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for forgiveness for the way that we have viewed others. Lord, as, a, as the body, as the church, forgive us for not being fearless to speak out against these issues, to speak out against these things that are bringing so much devastation and violence to people. Father, forgive us. Lord, forgive us for not taking action. Forgive us for shrinking away from the conversations. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you would make us fearless. Lord, but not just fearless for for the sake of being fearless, but God, fearless in our ability to see people. Lord, that you poured your love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Let us turn to other people. Use us for your glory, Lord. Lord, let us be people of mercy. And Jesus, we thank you that you died on the cross for our sins. We just surrender to you. We offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Let us walk in the calling that you have on each and every one of our lives. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you all. Please uh, go online, sign up. It is first come, first serve. Please only sign up for once a month. I know it's hard. We all want to be together, but sign up for once a month. Let other people be able to come to church too. And we'll see you Tuesday night for prayer. And Wednesday night, we're starting those classes. And then next Sunday morning, uh, the live stream. God bless you all.